Hey Chloe, could you pass the US citizenship test? You know what? I think I could. Hey guys, what is up? Welcome back to episode three of Fact of Life podcast. My name is Chloe Noller. I'm Maddie Grace Watson. And we're here to tell you that's just the way it is. Guys, we're so excited to bring you episode three of the podcast. We apologize for the delay, but we are currently students of Hillsdale College. And with that comes the stren strenuous strenuousness? Uh, strain of <laughs> the academics, mm -hmm. academic work. So um, thank you for bearing with us. We're glad to be back. Um, doing this today. Yeah, we are so excited for today's episode. I know it's gonna be so worth the wait. We're talking about something that has, that really applies to our generation today, really applies to everyone, and that is what we call the attack on education. Now there are two sides of that, and we'll be discussing both sides of that today, um, and we're really excited to get into that. Um, you know, I think it's important to note, like always, what we mean by the attack on education. And like I said, there are two sides of it. Um, one of those sides, I would call the unintentional. I think Chloe disagrees on that a little bit, so y'all get to see us kind of talk about that in a minute, which will be interesting, us disagreeing <laughs> yes. on something. And the second part, I think we both agree, is very deliberate, um, mm -hmm. but both of those t attacks on education. Uh, to do, just to start off, I do want to say, like, we're talking about education today, but obviously we love the education we have. I think there are definitely schools that this doesn't apply to, and just because we're talking about things we find wrong, wrong in education, it isn't necessarily anything against maybe the high schools we went to growing up or anything like that. Yeah, we just do think this applies to schools everywhere in America, mm -hmm. um, and there are some things that both of our high schools did right and they did wrong, and that's For just sure. is natural in, in any education anywhere you go. So, absolutely. Here, college. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Alrighty, so getting right into that today, Chloe, why don't you tell us a little bit about the history of education in America? I know you did a lot of research on that in high school, so just give us the rundown of the history there. Yeah, so to jump into that history a little bit um, of education, it really all starts in Greece. So a lot of what we're learning right now too, especially with Western heritage, is that um, a, a lot of these ideas of education came from Greece and it started with liberal arts. So that was um, teaching um, those seven foundational subjects, grammar, logic, rhetoric, geometry, arithmetic, music, and astronomy. Those were all things that were taught in the Greek schools and they were taught with the idea of liberation. So they were taught to anyone, regardless of their status in the community. And it was this idea of liberty. Um, education was for everyone to liberate everyone. They thought, they, they understood that those that were not educated would fall into um, slavery because they did not understand what was around them. They were not able to reason well. They weren't capable of thinking critically. And so they, they taught these seven subjects to give the people a wide variety of skill sets to understand the world around them and to make the best decisions for themselves and their community. And so from the Greek theater, um, there's this idea of <clears throat> paideia. This is a Greek word um, of education. It, it kind of meant the education or upbringing of a society, um, but it also related to that term of liberty. So from paideia shifted into, like the, the Greek idea of paideia shifted into the Western Christian paideia. So that had the ideals of the Judeo-Christian ethic. Um, the God of the Bible became the standard for that education. So um, then like virtue, logic, and reason were ultimately seen to lead to God. So uh, that, that's this type of education flourished in the first universities. Um, theology was seen as the crown jewel of science. Uh, scientific and intellectual thought backed up biblical truths. 
So we have some of the greatest philosophers and thinkers to ever live during this time period, like Thomas Aquinas, John Locke, um, great people that um, highly influenced the Founding Fathers when they were creating America. And I think it's important to note right here is when we have a split of the philosophical thought. So um, with the idea of um, revolution here. So in, in the 18th century, you have two great revolutions that happened, the American Revolution and the French Revolution. And by uh, both of these revolutions were based upon different ideas and philosophical thought foundations. So the American, uh, uh, the American Revolution was founded on um, protecting human rights from their inherent nature. So they understood that humans were uh, sinful and that laws need to be put in place to um, protect people from themselves. So um, there's that famous quote that in from the Federalist Papers that um, this government is created not for angels but for men. And the French Revolution based its ideas upon progress, that society is based upon a fluid principle. And so they believe that the government should be thing, the thing to solve all social problems. And so there's these two philosophical ideas, these two thoughts. Um, but as we can see, the United States was founded upon the foundational principles of the Bible. And so it began to flourish and it, um, it thrived. And education continued to follow those same principles of Western Christian paideia. And it was educating citizens with Judeo-Christian ethics and, and virtues. And that was something that um, even back in Rome, they believed was super important to a virtuous and um, moral society. And you mentioned that, that John Adams quote about a moral, mm -hmm. moral society earlier. But um, so during this, there was a time of wealth and prosperity after the Civil War. And that new school of thought, or a new school of thought began to emerge that paralleled that idea of the French Revolution, that society is based upon progress. And it wasn't, it, this, this change was not devoted to moving towards a divine ideal, but rather to the shifting social and societal goals of the moment. So um, to get this idea of progress in action in the United States, the progressives took over education. And this is, this is what happens here. They began to remove God from education and um, Christianity was targeted because Christians um, devote themselves to a higher ideal. And so uh, the progressives wanted to fill students with a duty to America, to the nation itself, instead of God. And that, that idea of America was something that they could uh, mold and uh, make what they wanted it to be. So it became the American paideia. And then because of that, because people were devoted to America instead of God, when the progressives changed the view of America, people began to revolt against America and hate America, which is where we're at today um, because of the, the love that people had for America. Now, because the progressives have molded it into something that has this um, societal and inherent structure of racism and um, patriarchy and, you know, remember that quote mm -hmm. from the feminism, like um, yeah. all this stuff. So that was a long-winded explanation, mm -hmm. but I think is important to set the ground for what we're talking about today. Absolutely. That that history there is really important. You gotta, you, we need to know where all of this came from, kind of how we got to where we are now. But going right into that, um, kind of our first side of the attack, which I would say call the not enough civics classes being taught in schools. I know at least where I came from, and it's different in every state, but where I come, came from, we had one semester of civics and it was the only class type that like that offered. Um, but 
yeah, at least for me, I would say this side of the attack, I would call it the unintentional. Um, I know, I think Chloe would call it more of the intentional. And we, I mean, we can, we can talk about that for a second, go into that. I think where I'm coming from calling it the un unintentional is I think maybe the effects of the people who are doing, I guess, like the individual schools not offering enough classes of this nature. I would call that part unintentional, but I think where it all stems from, kind of the history of it that Chloe was talking about, is that the the effects that we have now, they were intentional, that these effects were intentional, but the people currently directly instituting these effects, it may not be intentional to them. What would you say on that, Chloe? I think it's important to note um, what kind of the Department of Education was doing in the... I think it's important to note the kind of uh, intent of the Department of Education early on in America. Um, in 1916, the Department of the Interior post published a bulletin on social studies and secondary education. So, you know, social studies to us today, we're familiar with that being humanities, like uh, history, um, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, for sure. In, when I had social studies classes in school and elementary, it was always, it was a history class. Mm -hmm. That it was, and sometimes it wasn't even about America. Sometimes it was, that's just what we called our history class. Right. And I feel like most of us would think that's very normal. Like yes, social studies, for like sure. Whatever. It's just a new name for it. But this was a direct uh, change. It used to be called, you know, your history classes or things like this. But um, the bulletin that was published by William Dunn in, in 1916 um, from the Department of the Interior said that uh, they wanted to develop social studies as the organization and development of human society. Um, and so his purpose, the purposes of social studies, not history, but social studies, was to train individuals for citizenship. Um, the citizenship wasn't, but it wasn't dedicated to the brotherhood and love of the citizens of America and the higher ideals that America stood for, but it was an ingrained social status that conditioned a social group. So like that's a, kind of a lot of words there, but um, basically he was saying, he was trying to give the students um, like uh, an unwavering faith in humanity. Um, and so it, it, it shifted history from learning about what's come before, what is important for us to note about like what's gone wrong in history and how can we learn from that. But more it was like, here's, here's some stuff to give you an idea of um, what's good for social well-being and development and, and how we can make our society progress to something that is closer to perfection because ultimately it's belief, a belief that mm -hmm. things can be led to um, perfection and that, that man is not, um, their nature is not sinful. But um, C.S. Lewis commented on this, this educational um, difference and he said, where the old initiated, the new merely conditions. So whereas the history classes of the past were designed to teach history to initiate critical thinking, that thought, that process, like what's going on here? How can we learn from this? But the new classes were meant to condition, just to show people this is how, um, this is what's good for the social well-being and development. And that's what we need to focus on. So that's where you get the idea of social studies. I don't know mm -hmm. what you have to say about that. Yeah, you know, this reminds me of a conversation we were having in my US Constitution class earlier this week so with Dr. Porteus. I love that class, love Dr. Porteus. It is a great class. We were talking about, this actually may have been last week, but we were talking about, it was in the context of illegal immigration, but um, the, the concept still applies. But he was saying that the reason why illegal immigration in that scenario isn't good is because 
whenever you're having people come from somewhere else and they don't understand mm -hmm. America, they don't understand kind of the principles that were founded on, the principles we operate on, then they come in and they may be perfectly good people, but since they don't have this understanding, then they get involved and it ends up ruining that mm -hmm. structure that we operate on because it's being run and being mm -hmm. used by people who don't understand it because you know in america the citizens are involved with the government the citizens are involved with how things run and so when you have citizens who aren't in this agreement with the government who aren't in this direct um yeah, like this direct agreement with them then you know it's not going to work but i think this applies to education because now that we're having these civics classes that aren't being taught or we're having like, like social studies classes aren't being taught and it's being erased from our education now not only do we have to worry about illegal immigrants crossing the border and not understanding mm -hmm. how things work but we have to worry about kids who have grown up in our country who don't understand it just as much as people coming in yeah. which is so it's a scary it's thought so scary um c.s lewis uh, wrote The Abolition of Man. It's a fantastic book that really talks about this idea of morality in, in a human race. And it kind of comes from a, uh, a secular perspective, he writes, without using um, the Bible to back up his thoughts, which I thought was a very interesting take. And it makes a lot of, a lot of sense, but as Christians, mm -hmm. we do know where our foundation comes mm -hmm. from. But he did a great job writing this. But on top, like coming alongside this, he says, it's sort of a ghastly simplicity when we remove the organ and demand the function. We make men without chests and expect them of virtue and enterprise. We laugh at honor and are shocked to find traitors in our midst. What, what's happening here with education is that things are being taught now without teaching the students how to think critically. This kind of exactly. comes back to what we just talked about in our last episode, but with education today, it's, it's teaching um, it's teaching these new uh, progressive thoughts. It's not teaching the children how to think. It's just saying this is what happened. This is this is the rule. This is what's um, what the past says. This is what we say now. That's it. That's that's all you get. Um, and he he C.S. Lewis also writes that by starving the sensibility of our pupils, we only make them easier prey to the propagandist when he comes. So their students are benefited when they learn how to make informed decisions um, and when you remove all that when you remove the basis for um, justice and and making these good decisions it, you can't expect your nation to thrive you can't expect the new you, he's saying here you can't expect children who have not learned how to make right decisions um, who have not been taught to think critically you can't expect them to make wise choices or things that are virtuous that will benefit the whole of mankind because they simply don't know how. They weren't taught that. Exactly. And as we'll get into later, some of that information that they are taught or not being taught really is getting more and more deliberate, like we see with um, critical race theory, the 1619 Project, all of that. But we'll get more into that later. I was reading an article kind of in preparation for this, and it's called A Look at Civics Education in the United States. And it's written by Sarah Shapiro and Catherine Brown. It was in the summer of 2018, so it was a few years ago. I'm not sure exactly if this information is, how much it has changed, but to my knowledge, it's still pretty much the same. Um, but back in, in the summer of 2018, only nine states and the District of Columbia require one year of US government or civics, while 30 states require a half year, and the other 11 states have no civic requirement. I know um, in Arkansas, we only had half a year, 
I don't know how it was in Washington. Um, I guess it also depends. Some schools might do that a little differently, but 11 states with no civics requirement. Um, oh, and then it went on to say that states with the highest rates of youth civic engagement tend to prioritize civic courses and APUS government in their curricula. The 10 states with the highest youth volunteer rates have a civics course requirement for graduation and score higher than average on the AP US government exam. Seven out of the 10 states with the highest youth government, youth voter participation rate score higher than average on the AP US government exam. And then they said that they got these calculations based off of uh, the State Departments of Education, the Education Commission of the States, the U.S. Census Bureau, Corporation for National Community Service, and the College Board. Um, it says that the data is on file with the author. So if y'all are wanting to go back, just double check that data. It was written by Sarah Shapiro and Catherine Brown, article, A Look at Civics Education in the United States. Just if y'all want to go back and double check that info. But that's crazy. It's so crazy. But I think it's important to remember here, what is the goal of the progressive ideology here? And, and what, the, what the progressives want to do is control society. They want to mm -hmm. control what people are thinking, what they're doing, so that they can, the, the people will fall prey to the propagandist when he comes. They remove that education of how to make critical decisions, and they, they, they say to do whatever they, just, whatever they say. They don't want to teach civics classes because mm -hmm. they, they know that when Americans learn about the history of our nation and why it was founded and the people that came from England to escape religious persecution and that desired to set up a government for men and not for angels because they understood our human nature, when you understand that, you will love America. You will fight for America. You will do whatever it takes to protect the values that it stands for. But if you if the if you don't want that, you're not going to teach the history of America. Or if you are, you're going to teach it in a very bad light, which is what the 1619 Project tries mm -hmm. to do, which is what critical race theory tries to do. Um, and so I think it's super scary. Abraham Lincoln once said, the philosophy of education in one generation becomes the philosophy of government in the next. And so it's important to realize this started a long time ago. This mm -hmm. started in 1916 when William Dunn was publishing things about social studies and the societal goals of, of the education therein. So it's, it's super scary to see mm -hmm. that. And it's so saddening to me to hear that people are just not understanding what our society was founded on. And if they are, I bet you half of those civics classes teach the 1619 Project. Exactly. It's crazy. You know, one thing I find kind of interesting is that, you know, at Hillsdale, we definitely, we dive into why America was founded the way it was, how it was founded. We go back into that, those Greco-Roman, Judeo-Christian, Germanic, all those roots, yes. because it, our founding was so deliberate. And when you are scholars that look at those kind of things, whether it's at Hillsdale or not, but when you do that research into that, almost every almost every time, the majority of the time, people end up loving America and the principles that it was founded on and wanna do their best to protect that. But when you take away these civics classes mm -hmm. and when you replace it with critical race theory, 1619 project, all of those things, you have people that hate America, hate mm -hmm. what it's founded on. And the CRT, 1619 project, they're, they're replacing civics classes that just teach how we were founded and what that means, which is, a, which is a fact. This is how we were founded and this is what that means. You can agree with it or not. They're replacing it with this very, very subjective, mm -hmm. misinformative, um, these misinformative classes. 
1619 Project, for those of you that don't know what that is, basically teaches the history of America starting when the first slaves landed on American soil. So it's no longer about, you know, Columbus exploring the New World and starting in 1492 and then having the um, English pilgrims coming over to escape the religious persecution of the king. It, it starts with slavery and, and follows the course of slavery after that. And so mm -hmm. that is the history that our our students are being taught, and I don't blame them. You know, mm -hmm. I don't blame the people in the United States right now who hate America. Like, they're, they're, they're genuinely misinformed. They don't understand mm -hmm. America. They have no idea how America actually was founded. And it's it seems silly because it's like, duh, like <laughs> George Washington, like everyone knows mm -hmm. who that guy is, but we've lost the respect of him. Mm -hmm. We don't respect George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, the people who have fought and died for it and, and, and like given up their entire lives for a nation to protect our inalienable rights. Yeah, I mean, George Washington was one of the most honorable men our country has ever seen. He did not want to be president, but he did it for his country because that's what they needed. And it would look disrespectful to fight for this country this whole time and say no to their unanimous vote for president. He did the same thing with his second term, but stepped down after his second term because he did not want it to become a tyranny. That's right. And he didn't want it to set a precedent of just staying in office for a long time, which is why all of the presidents up until FDR did not run ever for a third term. Mm -hmm. And then once, you know, of course, um, President Franklin D. Roosevelt came along and tried to change that, we made that law, but just erasing, making these men who have been honorable, who have done honorable things, obviously everyone's not perfect, but these mm -hmm. men who have done honorable right. things, yeah. painting them in a bad light. I mean, I'm pretty sure I even remember watching a news story back from 2020 when a bunch of the riots were going on of people taking down a statue of Abraham Lincoln. That's, that's just severe ignorance. That's I, stupidity. You don't understand it. I mean, sure. Do, do you want us to go take away what Abraham Lincoln did? Absolutely not. That's ridiculous. You, they just don't understand it. I, I, don't, I don't understand how they don't understand, but I do because I understand that it's not being taught anymore. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I, do, I do think it is important to understand, too, the reason why um, this is happening is because the progressives took a hold. So I want to bring in a, an interesting fact. So back um, after World War II is when the Pledge of Allegiance was initiated. Uh, it, was, it was initiated by Eisenhower, um, wonderful president. And I do not think that this was, um, it wasn't, it didn't have such dark um, origins, I don't think, but this idea remains. But this Pledge of Allegiance to America, um, it did not have under God initially. Under mm -hmm. God was added by Eisenhower. And um, it was designed to create this allegiance to America and that was good back then. Like it, it is good. We need to love our our nation. We need to understand why it has been here and and the importance of it remaining in like the 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 most important, the most powerful nation in the world. It's so important for that to be to be the case. And if you know anything about the history of America, you'll know that it has given freedom and liberty to so many people. It has done so many things wrong, but. So we're, we're all humans and mm -hmm. this country is run by humans who are imperfect and will fall. But it was, they, they replaced this allegiance to God that was started by the Puritans, the pilgrims when they came and instituted those universities, mm -hmm. studying theology in the universities. They replaced that allegiance and that dedication to the Lord and they replaced it with America, which is not good. You need to have both. I mean, you need to have God mm -hmm. as the first, as your true allegiance and mm -hmm. to, fight for your nation because of that, because it's the honorable thing to do. 
But now, because the progressives have gotten us, had, had had that generation before to love America, now for us, the, the, you, they changed that symbol of America. They warped it into something that they wanted, which is what you know, critical race theory and the 1619 project does. But I just think it's interesting to note and important to realize too that what the progressives have done and what their mm -hmm. end goal is, is the destruction of America. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as, as you said earlier, I can't really blame these people who are growing up and not understanding this because when you're being spoon-fed misinformation, it's just hard to realize that that's the case. It is. You wouldn't mm -hmm. know. You don't yeah. know any different. I was looking at a survey by the Woodrow Wilson National Fellowship Foundation. Ooh. And the survey, it said that um, it was surveying Americans and kind of, it said two-thirds of Americans would not pass the U.S. citizenship test, which is terrible. If we're having people come into our country, they have to pass a test. We should all know the information on that test. Then it went on to say that only 24% knew the correct answer as to why the colonists fought the British. That's a core thing you should probably know about our country, why we became a country. Um, it says, the, and then even that, the poll found stark gaps in knowledge depending on age. And this is a direct quote. Those 65 years and older scored the best with 74% answering at least six in 10 questions correctly, which still isn't a lot. For those under the age of 45, only 19 passed the exam with 81% scoring of 59% or lower. What the American citizenship test is, I think this is important to note with this information, is there's 100 questions, right, that you're given. Um, and you are asked 10 of those questions. Mm -hmm. You only need to get six of those 10 questions right. Okay, this is not a hard test at six all. Six out of 10. That's six out it. of 10. I took the entire 100 question test. I only I got two wrong. Me too. In my civics class, ninth grade year, first thing we did was take the citizenship test, and I think I may have got like one or two wrong. Yeah. Here, here's okay. just an example question. Chloe, this? who is in charge of the executive branch? Wow, you guys, this is so hard. I don't, what do I say? Um, um, the consul? Like, I, I don't remember. <laughs> uh, the president of the United States. Good job. Snaps for Chloe. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, how many U.S. senators are there? You know, um, there's a hundred. Wow, Chloe, you're really, really doing great today. Thank you. Um, let's see, let's see. Hmm. What is the highest court in the United States? Hmm. The Supreme Court? What are the two major political parties in the United States? Um, the Libertarians and the Green Party. Wow, you're so great at this. <laughs> I'm so, so uh, proud of you. Republicans and Democrats. Good job. And let's see, I'll ask one more question. Okay. What do we call the first 10 amendments to the Constitution? The Bill of Rights. Wow. Chloe, I'm so impressed today. Guys, I could become president. Honestly. Let's go. Wow. But yeah, those are just a few examples of questions on the citizenship test. And two thirds of Americans could not pass that. That's that, so sad. Like, that, that is, is so sad. So sad. Because Here's the thing about being a citizen of America. See, you go to school, you learn all of these things. If you go to college, you major in a specific thing. Maybe you go to trade school. All of us end up in different paths. You may be a doctor, a teacher, a plumber, a firefighter, a policeman, all of these different things, maybe even a baker. But you know one thing we're, we all are? Citizens of America. That's right. And we need to understand these things but in most places, this is what's taught the least. The thing that we are all going to be, the thing that we all are, is the thing that's taught the least. There's an article I read by Nancy Simpson. Um, it was in this 
uh, a magazine that I read once, but beautiful, beautiful article. She was describing her love for America in this article, and she describes her concern for the nation, lamenting about how the beautiful country she has come to love, um, and I quote now here, it's going through difficult times. Its very existence is under threat. If we are to survive as a nation, we need to go back and cling steadfastly to the ideals that gave us birth, that all men are created equal, and that our inalienable rights come from God. There's, there's no way for America to flourish if students are not taught the incredible and rich history of a pioneer nation that provides freedom for millions of people. Uh, C.S. Lewis also wrote that the task of the modern educator is not to cut down jungles, but to irrigate deserts. Um, part of the things that the progressives want to do is cut down the past and create something new. But what, what we need to do is be irrigating the deserts, allow the children to understand what has come from the past, to just give them the information and teach them to mm -hmm. grow their own minds, to irrigate the deserts of a mind that doesn't know anything, and mm -hmm. to teach them to make decisions for themselves. Um, it's, they should, students, I mean, teachers should be enriching the students' natural abilities and talents to motivate the students to become thinkers, politicians, scientists, and like anything that you're saying, we need to understand from where we have come, for only then will we be able to understand where to go. Mm -hmm. You know, like this reminds me, I read a New York Post article and there's this teacher, his name was Jeremy Adams. Um, I think that probably, that definitely had a very similar view as we do on this and he was seeing this problem. And so he was, he's a teacher in Bakersfield, California, and he gives the same lesson every year. And what he'll do is he'll, he'll show a picture of celebrities like Kendall Jenner and Miley Cyrus to his students. He puts them up on the screen and he says they immediately recognize them. But then he pulls up photos of people like Mike Pence or Nancy Pelosi. And the children just stare blankly at the screen. Now, just to remind you, this is in California. They did not recognize Nancy Pelosi. Now, I think all of us should recognize Mike Pence and Nancy Pelosi because you know, Vice President, Speaker of the House, we should, we should know these things. But these kids are in California and they didn't recognize Nancy Pelosi. For those of you that don't know, that's where Nancy Pelosi is from. California. And I, that is so wonderful that that teacher is doing that. Um, mm -hmm. It's so, so important. And I love hearing about teachers who are teaching this. And I think yes. one of the reasons that I love history and I kind of am the way I am today is from my mom, who is my original teacher. Just want to thank her right now for um, all of her love and support and, and teaching me about America and reading us books about great mm -hmm. men like George Washington and Abraham Lincoln. Um, and I think it's been a wonderful discussion today. We're going to have a second part to this and we're going to dive into critical race theory, which is its own episode. There's Absolutely. so much to go over there. There's, just, there's so much to unpack with that. But yeah, we, we're going to make that, watch out for that next Monday on critical race theory. We'll get so into that. If there's anything specifically you want to talk to us about it, or you have any maybe information, facts that you really think pertains to that, definitely send us an email, factoflifepodcast at gmail.com. DM us on Instagram. Definitely let us know. Um, as always, make sure if you want to listen to us. Oh, never mind. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, I'll figure out where to cut that. You're fine. Yeah, um, yeah I just want to close with this quote. Um, George Washington uh, had a beautiful letter written to the governors. Um, it was called the Circular Letter to the Governors. And he closes the letter in this way. He says, he prays that God would incline the hearts of the citizens to cultivate a spirit of subordination and obedience to government, to entertain a brotherly affection and love for one another, 
to do justice, to love mercy, and to demean ourselves with that charity, humility, and pacific temper of mind, which were the characteristics of a divine author. Without a humble imitation of whose example in these things, we can never hope to be a happy nation. This is the answer for our nation, is, is to have to, rem to remember from where we've come, to remember whose we are, and that is children of the King, and that we need to emulate and walk in the example of Christ. Um, because without that imitation of Christ, we can never hope to be a happy nation. So we should be encouraging each other to understand where we've come from, what this nation is about, who we are as a people, um, as Americans, to, to love mercy, to do justice, to demean ourselves, um, and to promote the qualities and the ideas of freedom and liberty and, and the pursuit of happiness and what that means and um, how we can live as Christians in this nation and continue to uphold it. Um, mm -hmm. I said this once too, but um, Maya Angelou once said, we must never forget from where we have come for only then are we able to understand where we are to go. Wow, that that is a beautiful quote to end this off. I really think that, I mean, she was right there. Both of those people were so mm -hmm. right. We really need to understand who we are and where we come from. Yeah. If we hope that, if we truly want to live what we call here at Hillsdale, the good life. Good, the true, and the beautiful. Good, the good, the true, and the beautiful. Wow, what, what a great way to end our episode. I'm so excited to get into critical race theory next week, but it has been a it's great, a great topic today. If you don't already, make sure you follow us on Instagram. Uh, give us like, subscribe on YouTube. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you find your podcasts. Um, yeah, it's been a great episode. Thank you yeah. so much for listening along with us. As always, if you have any comments or anything you want us to follow, DM us on Instagram, like I said. Email and us email at factoflifepodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, we will see you all next Monday right. diving into critical race theory Ooh, and so all that fun. that is. Um, as always, guys, my name is Chloe Noller. And I'm Maddie Grace Watson. And, and we, we approve, approve of this message. message.